Eichmann case really demonstrates the difficulty in working out whether land and, and particularly land that's somewhat related to a business is in fact an active asset or not. You're listening to Australia's podcast for accountants, Tax Talks, the podcast to grow your firm. Welcome to episode 259 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. To qualify for the small business CGT concessions, the relevant asset must pass the active asset test in section 152-35. But this can be really tricky to work out, as the Eichmann case will show you. Here's Andrew Henshaw of Velocity Legal in Sydney with the details. In order to claim the small business CJT concessions, one of the qualifying criteria is that the active asset test must be met. Now, that test more or less requires the asset in question to be active for at least 50% of its ownership period capped at seven and a half years. There's complex rules that apply in terms of when you're selling units and shares, but when you're selling things like a business or, or goodwill, a factory, it could be pretty obvious whether it's whether or not it's an active asset or not. Is it used in a business? Um, you know, something like goodwill. Well, of course, it's used in a business. It's uh, it, it can't be used in any other way. It, it literally only exists because there is a business. But it can be a bit more complex and a bit more grey in relation to property. And that can be particularly the case where property is being used for either multiple purposes or part of the property is vacant or part of the property is used for private purposes or other situations where it's not immediately obvious that the property is is related to a business. So the active asset test is especially an issue with respect to property. That's usually where the active asset test almost always rears its head. And for two reasons, A, because it's usually about a lot of value. The property is usually the most valuable asset in, an, in a business. And then B, of course, any property can be used for private purposes, unless it's an oil rig or something, but you can live in a shop, you can run a hobby in a shop, Etc. So that's probably yeah. why it's always an issue with property, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and of course, also because once you get to that seven and a half year threshold, the asset always satisfies the active asset test. So just to give you a simple example, if I bought a property in 1990 and then used it between 1990 and 1998 in my business, and I've closed the business down in 1998 and just rented the property for the last 22 years, if I was to go sell that property it would satisfy the active asset test. So yeah, you've identified why it's important. The property is one of the ones with the most value, large capital gains, and a um, bit of complexity on, on how the rules can apply. That's a very good point. Mm. You often then have to go back a long time into the past and hence it gets more tricky to prove how the property was used. Yep, yep. So on the test, in order to be an active asset, the CGT event must be used or held ready for use in the course of carrying on a business. 
And that business can be carried on by the taxpayer or their affiliate or someone connected to them. The key that I was going to focus on here is that the CGT asset must be used in the course of carrying on a business. And the case of Eichmann explores what those what those words actually mean, use and in the course of carrying on a business. So, so I'll run through what the facts from, from Eichmann. Now, Eichmann's a bit of an unusual case because the taxpayer actually applied for a private ruling from the ATO and they were unhappy with that ruling and they actually challenged the private ruling. So this didn't arise from an audit or a, an actual assessment. It just arose from a private ruling being posed to the ATO and, and the taxpayer getting an un, um, unfavorable outcome on that. Is that unusual? Do most AAT or federal court cases come out of audits or do you also see quite a few coming out of private rulings that are then contested? They usually come out of assessments. So either an assessment through an audit or a sort of a voluntary assessment in that I've lodged in a certain way and then I'm objecting to my assessment. Quite rare that they come out of someone objecting to a private ruling decision. And one of the reasons for that is that a private ruling is only binding if all of the facts are correct and followed. So you can't bring in new evidence and it makes it very constrained and potentially not even applying to the taxpayer. So that's why it's it's uncommon to see private rulings actually appealed to the AAT or the federal court. But in this case it was. So the, the facts that were um, the quote unquote facts, which were the facts that were posed in the private ruling application, were that the taxpayer's family trust carried on a building, bricklaying and paving business. And in 1999, the taxpayer and their wife acquired a bit of land, a bit of vacant land that was next to their main residence. This was all in Malulabar or around Malulabar in the on the on the Sunshine Coast, in a quite close to the Malula River. So they bought some land next to their house, and it was vacant land, predominantly vacant. Had a couple of small sheds on the land. And of course, the problem is that it was right next to the house. I can imagine if the vacant land hadn't been right next to the house, it would have been easier to argue that it is an active asset. Yeah, yeah, quite quite potentially. So so what they did with this land is there were some small sheds on the land. They were used to store work tools, equipment, material, and the open space was used to store other materials that could be left out, exposed to the elements, things like bricks. There was tools and materials that were collected from the land daily. There were work vehicles that were parked on the land, but there was no business signage and, you know, no customers that went to the land. It, from from the outside looking in, you'd just see a bunch of houses in a residential area and then next to one of the houses, a big bit of land with um, some work tools on it and things like that. Yeah. I assume that the land was zoned residential. I think so. Yeah. It, it very much, I haven't checked the zoning, but it very much looks like it's residential from doing a Google maps of the area. And did the building company, did it have a, a proper business premises somewhere else? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it did. So yeah. that makes it kind of odd that they would have some tools on this vacant land right next to their house and then their proper business premises somewhere else? Yeah, yeah. And that's something the ACO took issue with. So initially in the AAT, the ACO took this line that, well, 
when you're looking at the active asset test, it's got to be used in the course of carrying on a business. And that means it's it must be integral to the business. It must be essential to the business. And based on the facts here, that wasn't the case. Now, the AAT said, well, okay, even if that's correct, the test says it must be used. It doesn't say it needs to be integral or essential. It just says it needs to be used. And well, what does used mean? The AAT said that, well, those words are pretty broad. Um, so long as it's used in some, as- some respect, then it's an active asset. Simple, just read the words. It says used. Is it used? I think it was. So they said that, well, that term is, is wide ranging and, and for that reason, it would meet that, um, that standard. Sorry, Andrew, I'm a real nerd here. <laughs> Can I ask you two more questions? Yeah, sure. The first one is, was the, do you know if there was a fence between the uh, family home and the uh, vacant land? Yeah, I'm not sure whether there was a fence between the two properties. I would suspect there was. If there was a fence, then it sounds less dodgy. But if there wasn't a fence and then there were garden sheds somewhere that were supposedly also for the business and then maybe some bricks somewhere in a corner, but usually it wasn't fenced and the children had plenty of space to kick a <laughs> soccer board, then it would sound more. Yeah, yeah, you're quite, you're quite right. So what, what proof did they have to provide? So did they have to show photos of heavy machinery on the uh, premises? And Well, this is the point about the private ruling. Because we're talking about arguing about a private ruling, none of the facts need to be actually proved. It's what's stated in the private ruling. So they're all agreed facts. And that's why you couldn't bring in evidence about, you know, how many times a day the vehicle came to the land. So you're limited in that sense. And, but, but you also don't need to prove anything either. But that makes it very easy. You say, yes, there were some bricks on the premises, but it might have been a, a small pile of five bricks or it might have been a, a huge pile of five million bricks. Yeah, and, and of course, if you state something that's not correct, then you have no, the, the ruling is not binding and it doesn't apply. So you're really just shooting yourself in the foot anyway if you do that. So commissioner said, not happy with this. I'm going to go to the federal court and really ask two questions to the federal court. First was, what proportion of the asset actually needs to be used. So it's very, very relevant to land. Is it is it just a sliver of it? Can it be 20%? Yeah. What 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 is it? And the backstory to this was there was a previous case where taxpayer used about 10% of the land and yeah. the AAT in that case said that that wasn't enough. Yeah, but that also hints that in this case, maybe there wasn't a fence and there was just a nice big lawn area for children to play on. And then there was a shed and some bricks on the side that were used for business. And then, of course, the question is, does using a small parcel of the land for business, does that turn the entire land into an active asset? Yeah, well, so so on the first question, they said, well, of this bit of vacant land, either the whole or predominantly the whole of the asset needs to be used in course of carrying on the business. So in other words, if it's just a small percentage, it's not going to be sufficiently used. And the court didn't didn't go on to explain what predominantly means, but it needs to be at least the majority. But in relation to that issue, they said that, well, based on the uh, material provided in the private ruling application, that it it was used and either the whole or predominantly the whole of this bit of land was actually used. It wasn't just, you know, 10% 10% on the corner and the rest of it was, uh, you know, a field for the kids or something. Uh, it was 
the whole land or predominantly the whole of the land was used. The second question was, well, what's the connection needed between the use and the carrying on of the business? Because if you go back to the words of the legislation, they say that it needs to be used in the course of carrying on a business. So it's really the in the course that this is getting at. Essentially, what they said is this land wasn't being used in the course of carrying on a business. It was somewhat related to a business, but it wasn't being used in the course of carrying on a business. They said that to meet that standard, the asset needs to have a direct functional relevance to the carrying on of the normal day-to-day activities of the business that are directed towards gaining or producing accessible income. In other words, it needs to be integral to the carrying on of the business. So when you run a business, you can't just land bank, put an old truck on it or something and then just let it let it Yeah, there. yeah. Like let's say I'm a I've got a you know, bread baking business and I've, I also own a warehouse and I stock that warehouse full of flour. And then, you know, I just get the flour from the warehouse and I bake the bread somewhere else with it. Same sort of thing. It's, it doesn't have the direct functional relevance. Oh, to, really? It's, it's just, it's essentially storage. So that, that, yeah. that's what the case is saying. Um, okay. And storage doesn't count. Well, that, that's essentially what the case is saying. It needs to have a direct functional relevance to the carrying on of the normal activities that are directed towards gaining or producing accessible income. So, but storage, isn't storage part of that? I mean, I would have thought so. I mean, it's pretty, it's, that's, that's, that's sort of the question mark with this case is that, yes, I know in this circumstance, it's vacant land next to the taxpayer's house, but it was accepted that the activities on the land were of a business nature. You know, we can think, we can joke about there being five bricks on the land, but if you imagine, you know, most of the land being actually used and trucks coming and going and so forth, then then essentially what it's saying is that just the land being used for storage is is really not enough, even though that is somewhat related to a business, it's not quote unquote related enough to the business. So it, it introduces these new concepts, this um, direct functional relevance, uh, what are the normal day-to-day activities is it directed towards gaining or producing accessible income? Well, we've got a number of like con- concepts that actually aren't in the legislation at all. All the legislation says is used in the course of carrying on a business, which there is enough sort of, I would say, enough sort of analogous law about in the context of just general income tax. Yeah, it's uh, they've introduced these additional concepts. So the water's considerably muddied about when you've got these situations where you've got land that somewhat used in a business or somewhat connected to a business, but it's not, you know, the shop premises or the factory for making widgets. When it's something less than that, it can be really difficult to work out whether or not it is an active asset or not. But it only really becomes an issue when the land is physically separate from the business premises. So if the vacant land in this case had been right adjacent to the business premises, then this whole case probably wouldn't have gone to the courts. It would have been I mean, accepted maybe. as part. I mean, but I then, don't know. I don't even know about that. I mean, if, yeah. if you had a bit of vacant land next to your business premises and you used it sort of in relation to the business, but it didn't take customers on that bit of land and it just you know, it was sort of a bit part type operation. 
then based on this case, you have at least a question mark over that bit of land as well. So that basically means when you have several parcels of land, make sure they are all adjacent, make sure the business signage covers the entire land and doesn't leave anything out and basically make all make a part of every parcel accessible for customers, that it's all included. Yeah, exactly. And then they will go to things like, well, is there separate titles for CGT purposes? And you're going to have vague gray situations where it's it's not 100% clear either way on, on whether it is an active asset or not. But the, the point that really surprised me was the storage bit. I would yeah. have thought proper storage is 100%, you know, with, even with a proper warehouse on it and everything would 100% be in, in the course of running, carrying on a business. So that really yeah. surprised me. Yeah. Well, look, it's based on the what they've said in this case, then there's a real question mark over those arrangements, whether that would be enough to constitute being an active asset or not. The the, the final thing I'd say on this is that um, the, the taxpayers actually appealed against the federal court decision. So there will be a full federal court decision. Stay tuned, probably another six months or so time. And we might have some movement on this even further. Okay, good. So the Eichmann case at the moment is just the federal court. Yep. But it will go to the full federal court. Yeah, correct. Which is quite unusual again for a private ruling because what we are talking about here is a private ruling, not... So, so in other words, if the taxpayer gets a favourable outcome in the federal full federal court, but any of the facts in the ruling are any different to the actual reality, then the rulings, not wor- they're not worth anything and the decisions are not worth anything. Oh, sorry, they're worth less because they're not strictly binding. So the advice to Mr. Eichmann is make sure there's a high fence between your family home and this vacant land. Put a business sign on yeah, the vacant land. Maybe a bit of a shop front up front, you know, yes. <laughs> accept some customers there. Yeah, exactly. it may, may not have been possible with the zoning and so forth, but um you know, that's another that's another sort of consideration. Yeah. I can imagine the zoning worked against him. Yeah, it may the zoning, very well have. the zoning and that it was right next to his family home. Yep. So this Eichmann case really demonstrates the difficulty in working out whether land and, and particularly land that's somewhat related to a business, is in fact an active asset or not. It's particularly relevant in cases where land is only somewhat used in relation to a business and there may be private use or there may be subleases for part of the land or um, there may be some other situation where uh, the level of activity, the level of business activity on the land is um, not especially high. So, it becomes very difficult in those circumstances to work out whether whether or not the land is in fact uh, an active asset or not. Welcome back. So having several business premises can easily turn into an issue when claiming the small business CGT concessions. And especially if a parcel of land is just used for storage on the site, and even more so if that parcel of land is right next to your main residence. In the next episode, episode 260, Robin Jacobson of the Tax Institute will talk about Division 7A dividends and especially the timing issue around these. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to Class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.